Welcome to His Church Owensboro Podcast. We are so excited about what God is doing in your life, and we would love to hear from you. Visit us at hischurch.cc and let us know about all of the things that God is doing in your life. If you have been blessed by this podcast and would consider supporting us financially, please visit hischurch.cc and click on Give to see the many options available. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message blesses you. that are watching online right now. What's up, Owensboro, Henderson, Dumas? We love you, and we're glad you're here. Why don't you turn to your neighbor this morning, tell them you're lucky you got to sit by me again this Sunday. They are blessed that they got to sit by you. And uh, I started teaching on a topic last week. I want to pick it up again today. And for those of you that were out last week, I want to catch you up to speed. But here's the idea of what I'm talking about, is that it is not enough simply to give your heart to Jesus. All right? How many of y'all out there, you've given your heart to Jesus? You're born again? All right, come on, praise the Lord. We believe Jesus is Messiah, and whenever you get born again, you become the temple of the Holy Spirit. Let's say this out loud. Say, I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. Let's say it again. I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. So we believe we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Uh, The Bible says it. But whenever you get saved, the moment you give your life to Jesus, how many of y'all, whenever you got born again, all your problems just went away the moment you got saved? How many many of y'all had some love handles that just melted off your body whenever you said yes to Jesus? Gray hair turned back a a different color, right? My my beard just instantly went back dark whenever I got born again, amen? Uh, your, Your bank account was fixed overnight. I mean, you know, whenever you got saved, you didn't want to smoke reds anymore. Whenever I got saved, I smoked reds, I chewed Levi Garrett, and I dipped Copenhagen, and I still did it after I, I got born again, right? All your problems or issues in life don't go away the moment you get saved. And it's interesting, as a pastor, you watch these people get born again, life takes off like a rocket uh, in Christianity. These people get born again in their life in the natural, it just stays the same. Why? Because one of those people gave their heart to Jesus, the other person gave their heart to Jesus and continued to renew their mind. The only way we win is we have to change the way we think. Come on, somebody. Give God a hand clap you agree with that. You have to change the way you think. And uh, that doesn't end. I got born again in 1998, and I find problems in my thinking all the time. Little by little, bit by bit, it doesn't end. You have to keep changing the way you think. Because there are invaders. They come after your mind. They come after your soul. They come after your heart. Right? It's October, and it's the time of year that you can't let the kids watch the TV, right? Because there's going to be something scary on. And um, I used to love scary movies. My father had no understanding of what a child should or should not watch. And if my mother wasn't in the room, right, mom would leave town. I'd be like seven years old. And dad's like, have you ever seen Stephen King's hit? It's going to be fun for you, right? So I remember watching it with dad, mom being out of town. And I didn't sleep for like seven years, right? I was like, I was like 17, got my first pistol license to carry and I could sleep again and not be scared of that clown, right? So so he didn't he didn't get he didn't get that kind of thing and, and uh, we watched them all, right? All the Stephen King movies, Silver Bullet, all that stuff. And, and here's the deal. This time of year people like to like to scare themselves and they have monster movies. But I'll tell you what's more scary than a monster movie on TV. That's a mind monster that you let come into your house and you let it stay. The real invaders aren't the the ghouls and the goblins you see out there. The real invaders are what the kingdom of darkness wants to come and deposit in your mind. 
And you can let a Freddy Krueger in the spirit get into your mind. You can let a Jason in the spirit get into your mind. Those of you from the 80s know what I'm talking about, right? You let a Michael Myers from the kingdom of darkness get into your mind. And those are the kind of things that will really still kill and destroy. So what do you have to do? You have to become the hero in your own B-level horror flick and kill the monster that comes after your mind. How many of y'all want to execute some mind monsters this month? Come on. How many of y'all want to, I want to think the thoughts of God, live the thoughts of God. Our key text, Romans chapter 12, this is one verses, uh, we'll just read verse two right now. Something I believe every Christian should commit to memory. This is one of the first verses I memorized whenever I got born again. So my mind was so messed up, I had to change the way I, th I thought. So Romans chapter 12, it says this, for, uh, uh, chapter 12, verse two, it says this. Do not be conformed to this world, but be, re, be transformed. Everybody say transformed. Come on, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. How do you get the will of God in your life? How do you grow in Jesus? How do I become more like him? How do I get the good and acceptable and perfect will of God? There's only one will of God for you. It's good and it's perfect and it's acceptable. God has a plan for your life. So how do I get there? I cannot conform to this world. I have to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So listen, we live in a fallen world and this world is a crash site. Does anybody out there agree with me that the world we live in is messed up? Y'all believe that out there? I mean, uh, any thinking man or woman could not read the paper or watch the news or know anything about world history or current events without understanding that we live in a messed up place. It's a fallen world, and it's broken because of the sin of humanity. So in this world, we're going to have some issues. We're going to have some problems. We're going to have some things around us that are not positive. I'm just telling you. And there's a couple of different classes of people when negative things show up in life. Uh, I think the first class of people, they want to ignore the bad, right? It's the head in the sand crew. How many of y'all got any family members that can ignore or forget anything that's happened bad, right? I have a family member, it's like, they'll talk about somebody, they're so sweet. I'm like, yeah, you talking about our, our cousin that murdered their family with a chainsaw, mom? She is not, she is not, they're not good people, right? But mom's like, oh yeah, but they got a good heart, right? Come on. How many of you got a good heart, you do good things? Can I get an amen? You got a bad heart, you do bad things. Yeah, I know he's addicted, he's been married seven times, he beats up his family, he can't keep a job, but he's got a good heart. No, he doesn't. He's a, he's a psychopath. And he needs to change the way he thinks. There's a group of people that will put their head in the sand, and I understand why. Uh, the world that we live in, you can't meditate, you can't live there all the time, it'll drive you crazy, right? It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a way to protect yourself from what's going on around you, right? It's a mental game, it's a self-protection issue, and, uh, you know, in the charismatic world, we did it like that, no matter what was happening around, we'd say, I don't receive that. Come on, turn your neighbor and tell them I don't receive that, just tell them I don't receive that, right? And there, there's a good way to use I don't receive that. That is if somebody curses you with their words, says something bad like, oh, you know, that's probably cancer. Now, 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 you, now say I don't receive that, amen? Right? Or we're never going to make it. Somebody say I don't receive that. Right? There's a time to use that. But I'm telling you what, if you got a teenage kid and you walk into the kitchen and the kid thinks nobody's home and you catch them smoking meth in the kitchen... You're just going to say, I don't receive that? That's not happening? 
Or are you going to get the taser out and tase that kid in the neck, hog tie him in the basement and let him out when he's 25? Can I get an amen out there, right? It's not I don't receive that. Now you got to deal with it. Because faith without works is what, church? Faith without works is what, church? Faith without works is what, church? So it's not enough just not to receive it. Now there's other kind of people, and I would be this kind of person that I get focused on that stuff that's happening in the world. So I feel a responsibility as a shepherd to warn the sheep of what is coming. Then I have a prophetic responsibility because I got kind of a national prophetic voice to say, hey, this is coming. You better wake up. You better do something about this or it's going to be bad. And I've lived there for like two years at a high level because of the calling that's on my life. But how many know there's got to be a way to see what's coming, to see the evil, to warn against the evil, but not let all the problems overtake our hearts where we can no longer see the promises of God because the promises of God are still yes and amen regardless of what's happening in the broken world system. Can I get an amen out there? Whenever Paul wrote these things, there were problems in the world. The promises, they still apply. So what do we have to do? We have to stop being so focused on the problem that we cannot see the promise anymore. Stop being so focused on the mountain that we cannot see the Messiah anymore. Come on, come on. If we magnify the mountain, talk about the mountain, look at the mountain, think about the mountain, meditate on the mountain, the mountain gets bigger, doesn't it? But if you focus on the promise, talk about the promise, meditate on the promise, mutter, utter, and repeat the promises of God, the promise becomes bigger than the mountain. I promise you the promise of the Messiah is bigger than any mountain that ever will come after us. So we have to learn to change the way we think. All right, here's what you are as a person. And uh, Paul wrote this and spoke about this when he's writing to the, the, the Gentile church who thought really like the Greek world, right? The, their, their frame, uh, their world was, was a Greek world. They thought like a Greek, walk like a Greek, talk like a Greek. And Paul's job's trying to come to them and say, hey, you're not, you're not just a Greek anymore. You're, you're a part of the kingdom of heaven. And he would use the way the Greeks saw themselves to teach spiritual principles. It's interesting, whenever you write to the Jews about who they are as a person, Person, that there, there's really kind of two things. There's, there's soul and spirit in the Hebrew scriptures, Old Testament scriptures. Soul and spirit kind of look like one thing, and then the body's the second thing. But whenever he's writing to the Greeks, the Greeks believed in a trichotomy of man. Here's what the Greeks taught. They taught that you were spirit, you had a soul, and you lived in a body. All right? And so it makes it easier to teach. So let me say it like this. You are a spirit. You are an eternal spirit. All right? Whenever, whenever you receive Jesus, your spirit got born again wall to wall. Is anybody thankful that we're on our way to heaven and not on our way to hell and that our sins have been forgiven and that we have been born again? Come on, come on. You ought to give God a hand clap if you're not going to hell, right? Isn't that a good promise this morning? I'm not going to hell anymore. So my spirit got born again. And then I live in a body, Right? But I mean, oh, this body won't last forever. This body's going to be put off. It's really just a house. And how many of you recognize your body is changing? How many of your body really changed during COVID? 
I looked at myself in some pictures in the middle of COVID. I'm like, my Lord, what was I eating right there? I mean, what was going on, right? Body's changing. So you have a spirit, lives in a body. You also have a soul, all right? Your spirit is already born again. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. It's the logical and the emotional part of man. You think with it. You process information with it. It's what everything comes through into your world. All right, if you got, if you got three people fighting, all right? I don't know if you've ever been in a fight with two people. It's a very difficult situation, very hard to win. Doesn't matter how tough you are. Two people can pretty well beat the trash out of you unless you're some sort of, you know, super guy or something. All right, if you want to win the war for your future, you got to get two parts of who you are on the same side. The body wants what it wants. How many of y'all found that to be true? This, this flesh so what do I have to do? My spirit's already got the Holy Spirit in it. He's trying to guide me, teach me, move me, direct me. So now if I can get my mind, my mind, my will, and my emotions lined up with what God is doing in my spirit, come on, you can defeat the flesh and you can live a positive, faith-filled, come on, spirit-filled Christian life. But the key is you have to renew your mind. Here's some things I want you to understand. Uh, number one, it's impossible to live a positive life with a negative mind. It's impossible to live a positive life with a negative mind. Even though negative things are going on around us, Jesus has already overcome death, hell, and the grave. And it doesn't matter how negative it gets on in this world, I still have a Savior. So I have to learn to pull up my spirit, pull up my hearts, pull up my mind, and look to the heavens from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of the heavens and the earth. Now, I really don't think anybody on this earth is going to do it for me, but I know he's faithful. So I cannot allow myself to become negative. See, everybody has a smell in the spirit realm. You smell in the natural. Come on, thank God for running water. How many are thankful we don't smell like Europeans this morning? Can I get an amen out there? I'm so thankful I don't smell like a European this morning. So I've been around them traveling globally. They don't bathe like we do. I mean, I was, I was downwind of some Europeans. We were climbing Masada, which is, a, which is a mountain in Israel. I got downwind from these Europeans, and literally I started dry heaving. I'm like, dear Lord, uh, I'll buy you guys a hotel room if you need a shower. Here, let me give you an offering. So there's a smell in the natural, but there's something stronger than a smell in the natural. There's a smell in the spirit. And every person has a scent in the spirit. And I'll tell you, sometimes when you're operating the gifts of the Spirit, I can smell the demonic on people. It's amazing. Spiritual sense work like that. Sometimes I can see them. Sometimes, sometimes I'll, I'll walk through. I've walked through before um, in, in another church environment. I was at a funeral, and there was a minister from another faith. I won't even call it a faith. Uh, from another faith, but I come walking by, and... Uh, this guy, he was demon-possessed, right? And that devil turned around, Jesse standing by me, that devil turned around and screamed at me out loud. He didn't scream, but his spirit did, right there in the church. And it was loud enough I could hear it in my spirit. And I turned around, I turned to Jesse, and, and I looked around, and she said, that devil just screamed at you. I said, yeah, it did. I could hear it in the spirit. It's no, it has no authority over me, but it'll try to make a fuss. It also has a smell sometimes in the spirit, Right? Those are, those, are, those are extreme examples, but that kind of thing exists. The more you tune into the spiritual realm, you won't just see or smell in the natural. 
you can start to see and smell in the spirit. And everybody has an aroma in the spirit. Now I'll tell you what, you come into the room with some faith-filled people who love Jesus, that are full of the spirit of God and, and walk after the things of God. They smell clean and good in the spirit. You go into their houses, and man, their houses fill up, right? It, there's like a joy, even, even where they live, the atmosphere changes. But how many of you know you got that one family member that's going to walk in on Thanksgiving, and everything's going to be cool at the table, and when they show up, come on, Thanksgiving lunch will start to stink. Can I get an amen out there? How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? They change the atmosphere. When they walk in, it's a smell in the spirit. They come in with their negativity, with their anger, with their unforgiveness, with their bitterness, with their lack of joy, with, with their lack of peace, and it makes the atmosphere stink. So here's the way I want to live my life. I want to live my life with a positive smell in the spirit. Come on. You don't have to smell like junk in the spirit. You can smell like Jesus in the spirit. You can get your life changed by the renewing of your mind, by being faith-filled, and it'll shape everything about you, right? Something exudes out of us. If we're full of fear, fear exudes out of us. If we're full of faith, faith exudes out of us. What wins? I'll tell you what wins. What wins is what you feed. Whatever you feed in your life will win, right? There's an old, there's an old proverb people used to tell, and uh, it's probably not PC anymore, so this is from 100 years ago, so don't write me emails or anything. But it was about a dog fight, all right? And this guy would, would show up and he would bring dogs to a dog fight. And these guys were betting on dog fights. And I would never do that, all right? Just so you know, Pete out there, I love my dog. My dog sleeps in my bed with me, right? And uh, we're, 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 Jesse, Jesse started letting the dog sleep in the bed at times. And now he's just, he's in there. So, um, but these guys were fighting dogs. And they were booking bets. They were booking bets on what dog would win. And the guy walks up to the guy booking the bets, and he says, which dog would you bet on? There's a white dog and a black dog. And he said, I would bet on the white dog. The white dog, really. The, the black dog looks a little bigger. No, I would bet on the white dog. Why would you bet on the white dog? Because he's the only one I fed this week. That's why you would bet on the white dog, right? How many know you can stack the deck on what you feed? And if you feed the spirit and the things of God, it'll win the war. If you feed the flesh and the negativity and feed the bad stuff, come on, it'll win the war. Come on, church, let's feed the right things and we'll get the right results. We'll have a positive mind and a faith-filled mind instead of a negative mind. I want you to turn over in your Bibles. Let's go, let's go over to Matthew. I want, I want to show you this principle, how Jesus said it. Matthew, we'll go to chapter 13. We're going to Matthew chapter 13 and... Um, Let's read, where is it here? Matthew 13, excuse me, 12, verse 33. Matthew chapter 12, verse 33. And this is a great, great, great parable Jesus told about giving your mind to the word of God. Here's what it says, verse 33. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for a tree is known by its, what's it say, church? Come on, a tree is known by what, church? It's fruit. Brood of vipers, how can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, so the body acts, so the man does something, the woman does something. It's out of the abundance. Come on, everybody say the abundance. All right, verse 35, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure 
uh, brings forth evil things. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. He goes on and he says this, either make the tree good, and its fruit will be good, or make the tree bad, and its fruit will be yet bad. He says, a tree is known by its fruit. In our life, we're going to be known by the fruit that we produce by humanity around us. You'll be known by what you produce. How many of you know we're not going to be known by our intentions? We're not going to be known by what we wanted to do. We won't be known by what we wish we would have done. We're going to be known by our fruit. You can identify an apple tree because it has apples on it, right? Orange trees have oranges, right? Uh, 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 pear trees have pears. Grape trees have grapes. There's no such thing as a grape tree. I'm seeing if you're even listening anymore, right? So you know a tree by its fruit, right? Right? You see what it is. That's why I'm saying. He goes on. Next thing he says, he says, how can you being evil speak good things for out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks? Now, have you ever seen somebody that, that knew the Bible, knew the things of God, knew church principles? They were raised in it. Uh, they might have taught it. They might have been a minister, deacon, an elder. Right, you, you see them, and you're like, "That's a good guy," or "That that's that's a good lady," and, and you know they could teach the word of God. You you knew that they could explain and disciple people and help people. Have you ever seen them make some like life-altering blunders that blew you away? Come on, out there! How many of y'all seen some people like that mess up? Right now, what the world wants you to do is say, well, Christianity's not real and all these church people are fake and I'm, not, I'm taking my ball and I'm going home because Bobby was supposed to be Jesus Jr. and Bobby messed up. How many know that your relationship with Jesus has nothing to do with what Bobby did or did not do? Come on, we're bigger than that. We're not going to stand before Bobby on Judgment Day. We're going to stand before Jesus on Judgment Day. Come on, you ought to give the Lord a hand clap because that's good preaching, right? So instead of getting offended... Let's give Bobby a break and pray for his restoration. Amen. Right, but how did Bobby get there? How did he pull this big blunder? I mean, we know he knew. He could, he could quote almost any scripture, right? Watched him pray for people, seen the sick recover. Saw people get born again whenever he ministered. How did he make this big blunder? So the Bible says, it says this. Look, look right here. Look, look in verse Verse 34. How can you, being evil, speak good things for out of the, what's it say, church? Out of the what, church? Out of the what, church? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So actions in your life don't come out of just what you know. Comes out of the abundance of your heart. How many of you have had some days where, man, you know the word of God. You're here, I've seen you in the, in the, in the pews uh, for years, right? You, you know what's up. How many have had some days that even though you know Jesus is Lord and you're filled with the Spirit, and come on, you can quote uh, Ephesians chapter 6, and you've got Jesus junk all over your house that quotes all kinds of scriptures. You got it all, right? But how many have had days when somebody ticked you off and the abundance of your heart was anger? Right? I've been there. Or, or, or what if what if it was like you were out somewhere and maybe you're 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 a, a guy and listen some tin walked by some smoking hot thing walked by and you weren't looking at her all of her was looking at you and and come on we live in a real world don't we and you know the Bible says 
to have adultery in your heart or lust after somebody, your heart's the same as, right? The action. But that became the abundance of your heart for a period of time instead of what you knew about the Word of God, right? So how do we stop? And if you, if you let the abundance stay there long enough, you act on it, don't you? Right? Have, you have you ever had a situation like this? Uh, you had an encounter with somebody, and they said something, and it was a negative experience or negative encounter. And they said something to you, and you had to come back, and then the conversation was over. How many of you ever went home and relived that conversation in your mind? Whenever they said this, I should have said this. Come on. And whenever they said this, I could have come back with this atomic bomb, baby. I got Hiroshima on my side. I could have said this, right? And then they said this, and I would have said, said this. And you thought about it. And then you even told yourself in your heart whenever you get around people that ask you about the situation, you weren't going to say anything. And then you got in the situation, somebody asked you about that exchange you had with that person, and you just vomited everything you thought right out of your mouth. Has anybody ever been there? Come on, let me see you. Don't lie to me in the house of God, right? We've all been there. Why did we do that when we didn't want to do that? We weren't going to say that when we weren't going to go there. Why did we do that? Because we allowed that to become the abundance of our heart. Now, to the abundance of the heart, the mouth began to speak. So, listen, if the abundance of our heart is the Word of God. Whenever the time comes, come on, the Word of God is going to come out of our mouth. If the abundance of our heart is the things of the Spirit of God. Whenever the time comes, the Spirit of God is going to come out of our mouth. It's all about controlling what's in our heart. You can control what's in your heart. You can change your actions and therefore change your destiny. This is the ultimate God has given you power sermon. Change your heart and you can change your life. Come on, somebody, you are in charge. The world is not in charge. Be empowered by renewing your mind. Here's what, here's what I want us to, to think about this, this week. I want you to open up your Bibles, Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, and I'm going to close with this scripture. I want you to come out of here with this scripture today. Here's what I want us to do. The apostle Paul says to do this. He says, finally, brethren, whatever things are in the news... Finally, brethren, whatever things are on Netflix. Finally, brethren, whatever your toxic coworker had to say. Come on, somebody. Finally, finally, brethren. Here's what he really says. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true. Whatever things are noble. Whatever things are just. Whatever things are pure. Whatever things are lovely. Whatever things are of a good report. If there is any virtue... If there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Instead of meditating on all the wrong, all the injustices, all of the offenses, all of the problems, all of the issues, I'm not saying don't deal with them. I'm saying you deal with them and then you meditate on whatever is true, whatever is noble. Come on, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is good report, whatever is a virtue. That's where I want to live. So if we'll focus there, come on, we're going to smell sweet in the spirit. Our life will change. You want your life to be radically better in a year? Man, if you'll, if you'll operate in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, in a year, you won't even recognize yourself anymore. Because this book 
It's sharper than a double-edged sword. It goes down to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, joint and marrow, and it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of mankind. This book is a weapon. It is a, it is a shield. It is a sword. It'll change your life. It'll change your mind. Come on, if you take this book, take it into your heart. Let it become the abundance of your heart. You'll be a walking, talking image of Jesus on the earth. How many of y'all want that in your life? Man, I want that in my life. Let's stand up on our feet and give Jesus a hand clap. Can we do that together? Come on, come on. Let's give Jesus one more big hand clap. Father, we love you. We worship you. We magnify you. Oh, what I'm going to pray is that we would have a holy hunger for the word of God. More than anything else, that we would desire our daily bread. Come on, just, just lay your hand on your heart right where you are. Father, I, I pray in the name of Jesus. I pray in the name of Jesus that there would be a holy hunger. Let it be released to the people of his church right now. I pray that we would feed the right thing, that we would feed our spirit, that we would feed our faith and we would starve our doubts, that we would let our mind be renewed by the Word of God. We wouldn't think like the world thinks, that we would stop smoking what they're selling in the world system. We would look to you, who you are, what you are, your goodness, your grace, your mercy, your Word. Lord, let it wash our minds. Let us learn not to focus on the bad, but to focus on the word of the living God. I declare that we're going to magnify the Lord. Focus on the Lord. These issues are going to flee. You'll change your life, I declare it, by changing your mind. Father, let a holy hunger for that word flow. Let it flow. Let it flow. Let it flow. Let it flow. Holy hunger for the word of the living God. I declare it's coming into our life. In Jesus' mighty name, I declare we receive it. And the church said, amen, amen, amen. Listen, let me say this to, to every campus next week. Um, I'm starting a series. It is next week. I believe it is, right? On David, shepherd to king. I'll tell you that there's more written in the scripture about King David than any person other than Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And David is somebody, everyone here, I promise you, you can identify with David. Um, Jesus is my Messiah. He's the rabbi I'm trying to live like. But I'll tell you, whenever I read the life of David, I can see things that I need to work on. How many of y'all know, know what I'm talking about when you read David? And, and I'm going to take you on a journey over the next few weeks from where David uh, stands before God as, as a shepherd. And how God changes David's life and elevates him to become a king. David is one of the greatest men that ever lived on the face of the earth. I'm talking a, a psalmist, a sage, a prophet, a warrior, a, 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 a financial tycoon. Probably one of the greatest leaders that ever lived and also had some of the greatest shortcomings. So we're going to go on a journey where God takes David from a shepherd to a king. And I, I literally spent years of my life simply studying the person of David. Went to the spots where he made his biggest blunders in Israel. And uh, I'm excited about teaching about it because I believe God's going to take us from a shepherd to a king. Can I get me?